All right, guys, I'm going to say something a little unpopular to start. Uh, I think garbage, ra- garbage plates are really overrated. Anybody with me? I'm not sure if that was in agreement or in disagreement with me. There was a little bit of both there, so I'll just, I'll just take it for a positive. Um, but hey, thanks for coming tonight. I know September is a crazy month for everybody with school starting and all the things that are launching and going on, and uh, thanks for just taking a... Uh, piece of your Sunday, a more extended Sunday, and being here with us. Hopefully, you enjoyed your meal. I want to just say thank you to Jason and all the volunteers who kind of got things ready. Can you just kind of say thank you to them? Yeah, and and thank you to you for what you guys do. You know, September is a launch uh, of like a ministry year, and uh, I hope you guys are excited to lead with us. Uh, I I know you're going to be having a lot of a, a lot of conversations in your group, and we're going to have a lot of impact as a church as a whole, and a lot of it is going to come from those moments, not in rows, but in circles as you lead and you guide and you care for people, you help them apply the Bible, and you just build relationships with them. And so p- part of what I want to do tonight is really two things. Um, I w- want to cast some vision for you uh, and for us as a church. Uh, I want us to get a, a picture of where we're going uh, from a, a big perspective and then really from a one-year perspective. Uh, I had a chance in August to sit down with our staff and, and just do this, and so I- I'm excited to just kind of give you a glimpse into where Northridge Church is headed from a big perspective and really from a one-year uh, lensed perspective. And so let's just start from a a big perspective. You know, one of the questions I get asked probably more than any other question um, from the seat that I sit on the bus is, hey, where is Northridge Church going? And it's been six years that um, God has really been stirring in my heart uh, through Ashley and our time at Northridge and leading and just uh, guiding this church. And what I've come to, to, to learn and what I've come to grow into is my love for this city. My love for this area, and when, just so you know, when I say Rochester, I don't necessarily mean just the city, I just mean the greater Rochester area, and Ashley and I, we came from Atlanta, and when we came from Atlanta, we had a deep love uh, for the South, and we spent 10 years there, and we always used to tell our parents, like, hey, we're probably never going to come back, but God had different plans for us, and when we initially moved to the North, it was, it was a hard adjustment for us. We longed for the South, but over the course of six years, God has really just burdened my heart um, for a love for the place that we call home, the, the city and the area that we minister to. And what you'll notice about Rochester, you guys probably know this, is it's a really hard area to be a church for two reasons, right? Number one is... Nobody in the area wants to go to church, and most people don't want to plan a church here because no one in the area wants to go to church. And so, but what I love about that is the opportunity that you and I have right in our backyard. The opportunity that we have in in my heart, at the depths of my heart, you got to hear a little bit of it uh, today, but my heart for this church is that we would be able to take the gospel and the gospel would take root in the greater Rochester area. That, that, that God would use us, and not just us, but other churches that we cheer for, other churches that we minister alongside, and that we together as the church of Jesus Christ would watch the gospel spread in an area where most people don't think it can spread. Where most people have given up or gone a different direction because honestly, the Northeast is not like a church planning area because it's not really growing numerically and it's kind of walked away from God. 
And man, I would love desperately to see our church be a part of changing all of that. And just to give you a glimpse into the area and the opportunity that we have from a big perspective, when you think about the Rochester, the Rochester area, right? In 2019, Barna did a, 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 a survey and a research on the most post-Christian areas. And, you know, usually you want to be in the top 10 of, of cities in, in a list Except the list that Rochester makes, right? Because we are number eight, number eight as the most post-Christian city in America. And I know that can bum you out or that can fire you up. I just choose to get fired up over it because I know what the gospel can do in a city if it catches fire. And here's the criteria that they used. And this was in 2019, guys. So pre-COVID, can you imagine how probably it's gotten worse over the last three years of people have kind of given up on their faith, walked away from God. But here's kind of the, 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 the criteria they used for this study. They basically surveyed people and say, hey, if you don't believe in God, if you identify as an atheist, if you disagree that faith is important in your life, that you haven't prayed in the last week, you have not made a commitment to Jesus, you disagree that the Bible is actually accurate, you've never donated money to a church in the last year, you haven't attended a Christian church in the last six months, you would disagree that, you would actually, I'm sorry, you would agree that Jesus committed sins, you don't feel a responsibility to share your faith, and you haven't read your Bible in the last week, you find yourself, Rochester finds itself in the number eight top American cities where people agree with that. That people have just given up on God and walked away from him. And if you think about it, of the top 10 cities that are post-Christian, eight of the top 10 are right in that northeast corner, right in our area. Can I tell you guys, our city, our area desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because at the root of it, there's a lot of problems that we face, but at the core of it, at the core of every problem that we see in our community, in our city, the gospel is the solution. The gospel is the solution. It, it doesn't attack symptoms. It hits the core of the heart because the, go the gospel impacts every area of our lives. And that's why we are a gospel-preaching, gospel-believing church because when it comes to the gospel, Christians have forgotten that we think the gospel is something that saves us from our sins. But can I tell you, yes, that is true. The gospel saves you from your sins, but the gospel also sanctifies you from your sins. It makes you look different. It makes you act different. It makes you become more like Jesus. And so when I think about a big picture vision for our church, I think one of the best ways and the way we're going to attack our area to bring the gospel to a broken post-Christian area is I want our church to saturate this city with campuses all around the greater Rochester area. Now, I know through COVID, we took kind of a, a hard hit where we lost two campuses. We still kind of mourn the loss of Henrietta and Greece. But our goal is over the course of 10, 15, 20 years is we would like to see our city plant campuses all throughout the Rochester region to bring the gospel and to bring hope and healing to our city, to bring and change some of those statistics. Now, some of you might ask, why, why is campusing our choice? Why not church planning? That's another great option. Well, I think both of those are great options. But the reason why we think campusing is maybe a better option than church planning is because of, of the statistics, really. 
88% of campuses that are launched by an existing church are still around five years later. 22% of church plants don't survive. Or 22% of church plants survive. 88% don't make it. And so the statistics make it clear that campusing is usually a more successful route because you have a church vision and a church backing to guide that campus. But one of the things I like about campusing is it keeps us focused as a church. You know, it's easy when, when you're a part of a church to get so distracted by all different things that we could be doing or that we should be doing. But when we launch campuses, it keeps our eyes and our hearts and our perspective focused on the right things. And I want to talk about four things that I would love for us to keep our focus on. Number one is our mission. We need to keep focused on more and better. Right, that's why we exist. We, we, we talked about it today, right? More and better, you can flesh that out and giving people a place to belong, to, to learn to believe and to become more like Jesus. We wanna reach people far from God with the gospel and we wanna see people who, who grow in the gospel and become more like Jesus. The second thing it keeps us focused on, and I think this is something, and honestly, it's my fault, that I think we've lost sight of is just praying and investing and inviting. I think we've done a a poor job of reminding our church that, man, when we're not in the walls of the church on Sunday, that our goal is to pray for people, that God will give us opportunities to invest in relationships in our workplace, in our homes, in our communities, at our kids' soccer games, ultimately so that we could invite people to their next step, invite them to Jesus Christ. And you'll so, this year you'll see a little bit more emphasis on, on praying and investing and inviting. It keeps us focused on staying simple. Right, one of the major detriments to the church is we get so busy doing churchy things, we never get out into the world to actually love the world we're trying to reach. And so one thing we're gonna try to do as a church is we're gonna constantly be saying no to really good ideas to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on the best ideas. And I I promise you, at some point, that's gonna frustrate you. It will, you'll be frustrated because you think we should do something and At times, we're just going to say no because we want to be focused on the main thing. The last thing it keeps us focused on is impact and engagement rather than nickels and noses. I would say one of the most valuable lessons, one of the most freeing lessons that I learned as a pastor happened over COVID. You know, you can get so caught up in, in pastoring and just looking at how big the budget is and how big the crowd is. And those numbers can haunt you at times, right? You can lose sleep over like, oh man, I don't think our church is growing. Like, is it my fault? What are we doing that's not right? And when COVID happened and the church kind of just kind of went haywire for a season, it was like God released that burden from me. It was like God just said, hey, listen, this is my church and I'll grow it. You do your job, but the numbers are up to me, Drew. They're up to me. And so I'm more interested now in not growing this large church. I'm, I'm interested in impacting and engaging people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. And so when it comes to Northridge Church, over the next 10, 15, 20 years, or however God has us around, I want to see us change this post-Christian city into a, a city that is being impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want our church to be a part of that. I wanna be a part of that, I wanna go after it. And so that means we're gonna try our best to aggressively launch campuses in a healthy way for our church, to bring the gospel to the brokenness, to the hurting of our area. 
And so as you think about that, right, that's, that's the big picture perspective. But what are we doing this year? So first and foremost, I'll just give you a glimpse into some of the background scenes of this year. I'll just, I don't know if I'm gonna warn you or get you excited, right? We are in the process right now of looking forward to our next campus. So I don't know exactly when that's gonna happen. It's gonna be in God's hands, but our elders and our stewardship team right now is working on building a plan, hopefully God willing, to launch another campus September of next year. Now, I don't know exactly where that's going to be, and so you, after this, don't ask me, because I'm just going to tell you, I don't know where it's going to be. And you're like, ah, Drew, you're lying. I'm not lying. That's in God's hands, okay? But we're planning, and we're praying, and we'll see what God does. And I hope that gets you excited about what the future and where God is taking us. But this year, as we look at at this year, what are we focused on? I want to talk about two things. For this year, from September to next September, the first and major thing that our staff and our team is focused on is rebuilding our volunteer culture. One thing that COVID has made us aware of is just how tired and exhausted, overworked, underappreciated our volunteers are. And at the end of the day, some of that is just really our fault. We have done a poor job of letting our volunteers know how appreciated they are. And so we're going to change that. Over the course of this next year, our goal is that our, our volunteers would, would feel two things, that they would feel fruitful and that they would feel fulfilled. And so our staff is going to be working hard on doing some things to make our volunteer culture uh, a success and make it thriving because we don't want you guys as group leaders, we don't want our kids ministry volunteers, our student ministry workers, and, and the gamut of volunteers that we have to feel burnout, to feel tired. We want them to feel in their, in their lane, passionate about what they're doing, and not only passionate, but seeing how God is using them. Because here's what we recognize. That without volunteers, our church doesn't exist. I I want you to hear that. And I know we say that a lot. But I want you guys to know how important you are. How awesome you are. That you would open up your home. That you would invest time to impact people's lives for the kingdom of God. Don't lose sight of the value that that has. Don't lose sight of how important of a role that you play in the inner workings of our church. Man, I hear story after story after story, and I wish I could sit down with each and every one of you and be like, man, if you could just see and hear the stories of how God is using your group and in your words to minister to hurting and broken people. And so don't lose sight, because without you, our church does not exist. We also know that caring for existing volunteers will produce more volunteers. And so if we take care of you, hopefully that will build a contagious culture where more of you come, give you a break, let you catch your breath. I'll tell you this story. One of my, one of my greatest frustrations with cable TV, so um, don't tell my wife this even though she's listening to me right now. Um, I... I I love NFL football, right? She knows this, but every year I I have to stay with DirecTV because they have NFL Sunday ticket. And luckily for all you Bills fans, all their games are like on television. But for me, right, like as a Cowboys fan, I don't get to watch all my games because they're not always on local television. The Giants are on. Can you believe that, right? (laughs) Who would waste airtime on the Giants? 
I mean, come on. By the way, if you're a Giants fan, security will come and get you and send you out. But one of my greatest frustrations with DirecTV is, you know, every year I go on their website and here's this banner. It's right, like, hey, if you're a new customer, you get NFL Sunday ticket for free. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? I've been with you for like 25 years. How come I don't get this free? And it's, it feels like always the new people get the best things. And, you know, sometimes maybe that's how you guys feel. Like we're always so busy chasing after new volunteers that we fail to appreciate the volunteers that we do have. And if you felt that way, I am sorry. I'm sorry that we have underappreciated you, and I'm sorry that we have not built a culture where you feel like you can thrive and you can grow, and I want to change that. I want you to feel loved and supported and cheered on and encouraged from each and every one of our staffs, and so we're going to work on that this year. The second thing we're going to work on, and this is kind of a back behind the scenes, is we're going to rebuild basically how we do campusing. And so I kind of cast a vision for we want to be a church that launches campuses, that saturates the Rochester area with campusing. And right now, as we plan for our next campus, we get to decide what that looks like. We get to decide, is that going to be a portable site or is that going to be a permanent site? And so we're in the processes of an elder team uh, just kind of dialoguing about what that will look like, how that w- will work, what, what, what our campuses are going to look like and be like. The great news about COVID is it kind of gave us a platform to, to to reevaluate and say, who do we want to be as a church and where do we want to head? And so as this year comes about, I would just ask one thing out of you as we gear up for a new year, would you just be praying with us as we look towards the future, as we look to take the gospel to some of the darkest places in the United States, would you just pray with me and would you pray with our leadership team that God would guide us, direct us, that we wouldn't miss his guidance in the path. And like I said this morning, that we would be the church That is not the church that I desire us to be or our leaders desire us to be, but we'd be the church that God desires us to be. And so um, hopefully that gives you a little vision into where we're headed. Look at that. I'm like perfect lead time. It just turned zero red. Come on. Can I get an amen? That never happens. And so Jason, you can come out. Give it up for our small group pastor, Jason. Jason.